Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK is the number. I, I was not going to start here, and now I have to start here. Uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, the congresswoman from New York City, who, by the way, there's a poll out yesterday showing that she's at like a 57% unpopularity in her own congressional district. They're still really upset about the Amazon deal there. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has fawned over Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who put Japanese Americans into internment camps during World War II, and she is attacking uh, Donald Trump, claiming that Donald Trump has put concentration camps in. In fact, let me read you the tweet from this congresswoman. Uh, it says, uh, for Republicans who don't know the difference, concentration camps are not the same as death camps. Concentration camps are considered by experts as mass detention of civilians without trial. That's exactly what the administration is doing. Uh, so she's claiming now she's quibbling with words over concentration camps. The Nazis had concentration camps. She's saying, no, 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 I don't mean the Nazi concentration camps, just the regular concentration camps. You know, the ones where people go to die. Oh, my gosh. Here's the thing, though. She says this absurd stuff all the time. And the media is defending her. What the media is not doing is rebuking her in the way they would with Republicans. In fact, the way the media is spinning this is Republicans are pouncing. Republicans are pouncing on Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You got a lot of reporters who are out there defending her, making this wild claim. Here is the fact. And again, this isn't getting reported in the media. And this is this is really, really, really offensive to me. And the reason it's offensive to me is because there is such a clear double standard in the way the media would cover these things. And the media is failing to report that all Donald Trump is doing is continuing a policy implemented by Barack Obama. Where have you heard that? Beyond Fox News, where have you heard that? Maybe Jake Tapper on CNN, but have you heard this anywhere else? Because Fort Sill, Oklahoma, Oklahoma, Fort Sill, Oklahoma, that's one of the places the president is housing these migrant children who are being brought here illegally. They have to be vetted to make sure they're not victims of human trafficking. And then they need to be matched up with family members who are here in the United States. And that's where Barack Obama did it, too. You're, you're not getting the full picture here. The media has run these salacious stories that these are Japanese internment camps from World War II. Yes, they are. But also, these are camps that were used by Barack Obama. And they're not internment camps. They're not internment camps. They are camps, detainment facilities, where the individuals are processed, they're fed, and they're paired with people here in this country if they, their children can't be returned, or they're, they're matched with their family. But they've got to make sure they're not victims of human trafficking. 
None of this stuff is getting covered in the media. And now Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez comes out and says they're concentration camps. And the media's view of this is that, oh, Republicans are upset with her, not that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez has said something outlandish. If a Republican did, look how the, the media reacts when Donald Trump says outlandish things. They're really, really offended by what Donald Trump said. And they never cover the reaction to what Donald Trump said. They always cover what Donald Trump said. When it's a Democrat who does it, they always cover the Republican reaction, not what the person actually said. You see in these stories real, real double standards and biases. And that, I think, actually is a relevant story here. This is an idiot from New York City who doesn't know much about life and has never really lived a fulfilled existence outside of being a bartender, now government service. She doesn't know a lot about the world and she doesn't know a lot about people she doesn't know about. And she has no intellectual curiosity to understand people she knows nothing about. She says outlandish things and has said outlandish things. If it was a Republican, the media would point that out, but instead they're very defensive of her, and that's really a problem when media trust is at an all-time low in this country. Now, by the way, a housekeeping note real quick. I told you guys the vice president was going to be joining me uh, right after five tonight. He now can't. Uh, it, literally, they canceled it like five minutes after I went off the air yesterday. He had a schedule change. Uh, we're going to try to get him back on, um, and he, he, we, well, how do I do this? Um, let me just say you probably want to go on and get your tickets to the resurgent gathering. I know, I know, I know. I've got to be careful here. Uh, you can text the word Atlanta to 345-345. We may have a surprise guest at the resurgent gathering. Um, so we're going to have Brian Kemp. Uh, we've reached out to Governor Bill Lee, the governor of Tennessee. He's interested in coming. Uh, we will have, let's see, Ajit Pai, the FCC chairman. Uh, David Perdue will be there. i got to circle back to Johnny Isaacson's team. I'd really like to have him there to talk about VA issues. Uh, Tom Cotton from Arkansas. Tim Scott from South Carolina. Uh, Doug Collins, Jody Heiss from Georgia. Mark Meadows from North Carolina is going to be there. Text Atlanta to 345-345 if you want to come. It's only $99. I'm about to jack the price up. Also, I, I, several of you, if you're listening, I hope you are, uh, several groups re reached out and said, hey, are you going to do vendor booths? Uh, we were not going to, but we now have space to. If you've got a business and you want to you wanna display, we're going to have about 700 to 1,000 people there. If you want to get in front of them, if you're a business uh, charity organization, you want a booth, a uh, vendor booth there, reach out to me, eric at theresurgent.com. Probably about $5,000 to do it. We're, we're happy to have more sponsors now that we've got the space to be able to do this. Let me know. The more sponsors, frankly, the better. You're doing me a favor by sponsoring, even though i got to charge you. Um, but let us know. It's going to be a, a huge event now with the person who's coming who I can't tell you is coming. Um, but there will be a lot of people there. Now, the president is kicking off his campaign tonight in Florida. It is in Orlando. Uh, the Orlando Sentinel making waves today that they are essentially endorsing anybody but Trump. Uh, for 2020. Uh, they'll take anybody but Trump. I don't know why this is a media headline other than the media is so antagonistic towards the president. The reality is that uh, the overwhelming bulk of the media in this country is deeply hostile to the president and does not want to give him a fair shake. I get a ton of blowback from Trump supporters, when I dare criticize the president, I think it's actually very unhealthy uh, that people are so defensive of the president. And, and part of me, I think they they in, intuitively understand he actually is in a weak position. They may think he's going to win re-election, but at the same time, they're also deeply concerned about him and, and think his position is weak. So they're deeply, deeply offensive when you criticize him because they, they think you might be hurting his re-election chances. In a way, by the way, conservatives never were with George W. Bush. 
I was deeply critical of George W. Bush when he ran for president and, and was running for president and was elected president. I went up to the White House and met with his staff. Tony Snow got to be a friend of mine when he was the White House press secretary. And, but they also understood, and I know the interestingly enough, the, the Trump administration does understand uh, the, that I'm willing to call balls and strikes and say, I think this is good. I think this is bad. But core supporters of the president get deeply, deeply offended when you criticize the president. The problem is on the other side that the media gets deeply offended when you don't s- criticize the president, when you do support him. I mean, for example, I was getting routine media hits when I was a conservative critic of the president and had not said I would support him. The moment I came out and said, you know what, I, I'm critical of him. There are things he does I dislike about him, but I'm going to vote for him in 2020 compared to this entire crowd on the Democratic field. The media hits dried up. I mean, when, when's the last time I was on Meet the Press? You, you, you come out as a, a critic of the president from the right, the media laps it up. Oh, here's another Republican who hates the president. Uh, you come out as a critic of the president, but you're going to vote for him. Suddenly, the media doesn't want you anymore. Uh, you're not useful to them. The media is very interested in building a narrative right now that even Republicans have turned against the president, and the president has not been able to draw people to him. And so that's their frame. And again, this goes very much directly to this AOC story, that the the pivot for the media, the coverage of the media uh, for this AOC story is not what she said. If it was the president, the story would be about what he said. But with Democrats, with her, it's always about what the Republican response is and how outraged the Republicans are as if to dismiss the Republican criticism of what she said. If Donald Trump ever accused Barack Obama of running concentration camps at Fort Sill, Oklahoma, just ask yourself what the media reaction would be. And yet that's what a Democratic member of Congress has done. And the media is more focused on Republicans criticizing her than her statement. I'm so excited to have Blinds.com sponsoring the show because I actually need new blinds and I've been thinking about going there and I really didn't know a lot about them. Then they asked to sponsor the podcast. I've heard others sponsor them as well. We've got some um, wooden shutters and you know what? Blinds.com can take care of you. For many of us, our blinds or whatever you have in the window, they're an afterthought. But with brand new made-to-order custom window coverings from Blinds.com, you can really transform the look and feel of your entire home. When they're right, everything in your home looks better. When they're wrong, the home looks cheap. And you know what? If you need new blinds, go to Blinds.com. With 15 million windows covered and over 30,000 five-star customer reviews, Blinds.com is America's number one online retailer for affordable Quality custom window coverings. Whether you're looking for energy efficiency, you just moved, you want to refresh your homes, Blinds.com makes the whole experience fast and easy. Blinds.com makes it fast and easy. You get free samples, free shipping, free online design consultation. What you can do is you can send them pictures of your house. They send it back custom recommendations from a professional about what works with your color scheme, your furniture, your specific rooms. They'll even send you free samples to make sure everything's good in person. And this is the best part. If you accidentally mismeasure or pick the wrong color, if you made a mistake, Blinds.com is going to remake the blinds for free. They are really easy to use, really easy to work with. For a limited time, you get $20 off at Blinds.com when you use promo code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K. That's Blinds.com. Your promo code is ERIC for $20 off. Faux wood blinds, cellular shades, roller shades, they got a lot. Blinds.com, promo code ERIC. Rules and restrictions apply.
Well, the acting defense secretary, Shanahan, is out. Um, just, well, so there are allegations of domestic violence in his past, and the FBI is investigating these things. It's a he said, she said situation, but also bygone situation. It was in the past. And, but the FBI's got to look into it, and the Democrats want to ask about it, but not just the Democrats. This is something that a lot of people miss about Shanahan is he actually did not have a broad base of support within the Senate for his confirmation. Uh, a lot of senators had other people in mind that they liked. They also didn't think that Shanahan on a number of issues was forthcoming with senators, weren't wasn't deferential to them. There were some military personnel, senior military personnel, who also, uh, I am told, were skeptical of Shanahan as Secretary of Defense. And all this stuff has built through the confirmation process, and in so building in the confirmation process uh, has come to a head here with him withdrawing his name. Uh, so the president will have to pick someone else. Uh, real quick, before we move on to other stuff, as you know, every month now, starting this month, actually, it's the first time we've done it, I've been trying to highlight local nonprofits. Uh, we will next month do a different nonprofit, uh, but I just wanted to take time out because I got a nice package from them yesterday. Uh, the the um, nonprofit I've been telling you about this month is called Help the Persecuted. And one of the things that Help the Persecuted does is it helps Christians who are in hiding in the Middle East, uh, stay in safe houses, uh, helps them as refugees, helps newly converted people. It's really fascinating. If you talk to people in the Middle East, uh, a, a very large, if not a slim majority, a very significant minority of people who convert to Christianity in the Middle East do so because they started having dreams of Jesus. It is really actually kind of creepy when you hear the stories. And it transcends Middle Eastern countries in Egypt and Tunisia and Saudi Arabia and Iraq and Iran and in Yemen, Oman. People just start having dreams of Jesus and they convert and help the persecuted helps them find safe houses to stay in. Many times they're thrown out by their families. They're threatened with death. Uh, it's a great charity, and they sent me some hand-carved crosses yesterday. If you want to donate or learn more, text WSB to 345-345. Hello there. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I want to talk about a subject that for some of you is sensitive. And, and I, I, I don't mean that um, being flippant. I actually do mean it seriously. I want to talk about a subject that's sensitive. This is kid-friendly. This is kid-safe. We're in Pride Month. And it is a month for Christians in the South where you suddenly understand how atheists feel at Christmas because it, it is a foreign world to many of you. And I have seen some deeply hostile things on social media in the past couple of weeks. And I, I just want to tell you, I, you, you know my views and you know my faith. And this is not something that I could celebrate. Um, but I also think that you and I need to step back and understand that for a very long time in this country's history, people who are gay could not be open about it. And in our country's history, there are a lot of people who met bad ends because they were open about it. And we live in a society more and more where you don't have to worry about that. And the month of June is, is Pride Month. 
and a lot of people now celebrate being gay. Um, my view, of course, is that if we are born a particular way, I, I don't know why we need a month to celebrate the way we were born. But I also understand that uh, for, for years, a lot of people viewed uh, a, that there was repression in the country. And now they, they can be open and celebrate it. What I, I, what I worry about, though, is there is this growing hostility towards those of us who are people of faith who can't. And, you know, historically, you have situations. I've got a friend of mine who's very open. He says, oh, this is the mark of the beast, I, the rainbow flag. I, I, I think that's silly. Um, but I understand where some people get this, that, that historically there are movements in the world where people of faith uh, cannot freely express their faith. And it puts them at odds with society, whether it's back during the Roman Empire. You know, one of the reasons Christians were murdered during the Roman Empire, persecuted, was because the Romans would abort their children. And, and to abort a child in Rome, more often than not, was to take a newly born child and throw them on the dump. Uh, take them to the city dump and throw the child there, kicking and screaming alive. And the Christians would rescue the children. And the Christians were considered immoral and perverse for doing that. And uh, they were persecuted for rescuing the children, for stopping the abortion, which is is bizarre to me that post-birth abortion really was a thing in the Roman Empire. And the Christians were opposed to it then, too. It's not some new thing for Christians to be opposed to abortion. Uh, they've been doing it since there was Christianity. Uh, and, and now you've got the situation where a, a friend of mine who is actually very, very socially liberal was talking to me the other day, and, and he says, you know, it's it's kind of inescapable. It's it's become commercialized. What had been a thing for people who are gay to announce and feel comfortable in a crowd saying I'm gay has now become commercialized in the way Christmas has become commercialized. You've got you you go into Uber right now. Your map route is a rainbow. You you go onto Facebook and the Pinterest logo and the other corporate logos. They're all rainbows. It's just it's become a fascinating commercialized experience. And the people who aren't celebrating more and more stand out. But with that comes a problem we should discuss discuss in any event so here's one of the one of the things again talking to some socially liberal friends of mine who they, they support gay marriage they disagree with me on that um and that's okay they, they they've in civil society they won the argument you got to move on but they were just talking about how in their company they're more and more they feel pressure to participate in events and they're okay with it but they're starting to, to their reason this whole all came up is that we're talking to me about, so we kind of understand your apprehension now that there does seem to be a movement in a lot of corporations to um, participate. Oh, hang on. What's this? Doug Turbo says, main part of the chase ended uh, the connector uh, 10th Street in three right lanes. Never got the chase part confirmed, though. Interesting. So so Doug can't be in the helicopter because of the, the, the storms and the lightning and the listener took a picture outside his window of all the cops on 75 with this uh, situation. So, sorry, distractions. The point I'm getting to is I think that Christians in America need to recognize that there are, we live in a post-Christian society. And there are things that a lot of people embrace in society that we, because of faith, can. And there are a lot of Christians who go to denominations that do embrace these things now. And guess what? They all happen to be the dying denominations. Um, the the Episcopals, the Peace uh, Presbyterian Church, uh, USA, uh, etc., they're all winding down. They're dwindling. It is the churches that maintain biblical sexual ethics that are actually still going strong in the country, but we don't live in a country that really recognizes that anymore. 
And I've got a lot of friends of mine who are Christians and they're really angry about it. They don't know how to deal with it. And you know, I, I raise my kids with my values. I explain to them why I think uh, this uh, celebrating is wrong. I explain to them biblical sexual ethics and why I think the Bible is real and why it matters. But I also tell my kids that there's no reason to get angry about it. There's no reason to get angry. You're, you're just a, a visitor passing through. You're going to a different place. Uh, we're just We're just here for a little while. And I do think what we're going to see is the next big legal front, and the Supreme Court is starting to hint at this. We had the Sweet Cakes by Melissa Cake come out uh, earlier this week in the Supreme Court, or last week in the Supreme Court, where the Supreme Court threw a case back to Oregon. They shut down, essentially, a baker's bakery because the baker said, I, I'm a Christian, I can't bake the gay wedding cake. We're going to have to figure out a way for people in this country to accommodate, and one of the compromises being floated out there would essentially say, you can believe, but you want to believe, but in your business, you can't deny services. And the Christians are saying, nah, I got to deny this. I, I can't say no gays allowed, but I got to say, I can't bake your wedding cake. We're happy to bake your birthday cake. We're happy to bake you cookies. We just can't do the wedding. And there's a level of unreasonableness now in this country. And a lot of it is the community that for a long time preached tolerance as a way to gain acceptance, gained that acceptance, and now they're shutting down the people they perceive as intolerant. I can't tell you the number of progressives I hear all the time now saying that um, they're in, they are tolerant of everything except intolerance. Well, that's in the eye of the beholder. There are a lot of people who are intolerant who, you know, they're tolerant to you and me, but they're perceived as intolerant to other people. And we got mob violence now against them, uh, the mob coming to get them, and now corporate pressure as well. Uh, we are in the beginning stages of something in this country. It's not the end. It's the beginning of something. And it tends historically to go poorly for people of faith who tend to have to live in the shadows. And there are some angry people on the progressive side who say, well, we've had to live in the shadows. Now it's your turn. No, I think actually in this country. With a Constitution and a First Amendment, everybody's got to be able to accommodate each other. And you got to be willing to say, you know what, we disagree, but we're not each other's enemies. Unfortunately, we live in a society increasingly where when people disagree, they view each other as enemies. And that cannot long last in this country. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. I, I'm, I keep deviating from, so, you know, I get questions about show prep here. Welcome, by the way, it's Eric Erickson, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB Atlanta's Evening News. I get questions about show prep all the time. I, I'm always surprised by the number of people who think I'm reading a script. Have you listened to me? I promise I wouldn't stumble over so many words if I was reading a script. Uh, it's the, the Cajun Swede in me fighting, my tongue fighting amongst my my ethnicities. <laughs> Uh, no, I, I don't. I don't read a script. But what I do do is I try to sit down in the afternoon and kind of outline the things that I want to talk about on the show. And of course, by four p.m., the president's tweeted or something has happened, and the whole thing gets scuttled. So typically, it is uh, you know, woven together all the stuff I've read through the day and kept up on. 
And then Charlie will put stuff in Slack if I need some filler. And, and sometimes I get to it and sometimes I don't. And then sometimes there are total wild curves. Like here, I need to spend a few minutes going back to this Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez tweet about the concentration camps. You have members of the media, most of them at MSNBC, who are defending Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez saying that President Trump is running concentration camps. And what is their response? It's to mean tweet the president. Maybe they're waiting for James Hodgkinson. Maybe they're waiting for him. Uh, If you don't know him, James Hodgkinson is the man who was fueled by the wild outlandish claims of Democrats in Congress and groups like the Southern Poverty Law Center decided he would attempt a mass assassination of Republican members of Congress at a baseball game or baseball practice, rather. I mean, this this really is a, a fascinating subject for me that you have progressives all the time blame conservative rhetoric for violence against the left or threats against the left. Uh, remember, you've got uh, when oh, what's her name the the anti semite member of freshman member of Congress said something crazy about the president. The president blew her up, and the headline was oh oh the she's getting death threats because the president mean tweeted her. Are, are we waiting for James Hodgkinson to take action? I, I mean, it seems like the members of the media who are helping stir the pot here are trying to get a madman to do something violent, maybe against the president. It seems like members of the media are, are encouraging potential threats against Republicans by not only perpetuating the story, but defending the story, by not denouncing the story. If a Republican were to accuse Barack Obama of operating a concentration camp, and you can't say he didn't do it because he used the exact same base for the exact same reason, implemented in the exact same way. So if a Republican were to have accused Barack Obama of operating a concentration camp, you and I both know what the media would do. There, there would be headlines about uh, Republicans potentially garnering assassination attempts against Barack Obama, garnering threats against Republicans, violence or against Democrats, violence against Democrats. It would all be tied to Republicans accusing him of operating concentration camps, that, that crazy right-wingers were mobilized to do something. And here are a, a left-wing member of Congress, defended by the media, claiming Donald Trump is running concentration camps. And the media is echoing and saying, well, you know, concentration camps, they weren't the death Nazi, just Nazi death camps. They were also where a bunch of people were rounded up and concentrated in a, in a position. Yeah, so these technically are concentration. You got Chris Hughes of MSNBC or Chris Hayes of MSNBC defending this. And other reporters as well. I mean, are, are they trying to get somebody killed out of this? I mean, using their own logic, are they trying to get somebody killed? Perhaps, perhaps. Now, I want to go back to prior topics here on the phone because Daniel in Monroe has been waiting very patiently. Want to get him on. Daniel, thanks for being patient with me. Hey, Eric, how are you, man? Good, how are you? Good, I had to say, I have to take notes down so I didn't forget what I called in to you about. <laughs> I've been waiting so long. But uh, um, you actually make my drive more sane uh, just through the traffic I had to go through Gwinnett to get home. Thank you for, by the way. Oh, you're more um, than welcome. Thanks for listening. My, my, my point is, um, I know Papa John's had posted something on their Facebook page saying their, their uh, I guess their cover page to Rainbow. I don't know if you've seen that. But I posted on there, and I just said, hey, I expect you to say it, and I agree with it. 
I'm just going to take my money somewhere else, I said. And somebody else said, well, you know what? There's another pizza down the street. If you don't like it, you know, take the dough and shove it. And they were being really sarcastic back at me. And I said, well, you know what? That's my prerogative. I'm going to take my money and go down the street somewhere and support something that I don't. My thing is that they're actually highlighting employees out there. Uh, uh, oh, yeah, this guy's the LGBT of our store. Or this one's the LGBT person of our store. I'm like, well, why don't you highlight... Um, Okay, it's not fair. You know, it's not saying it's not fair. But in another instance, another corporation, I went into Target, and I don't understand why the cashier told me or asked me, "Hey, would you like to contribute a dollar to the LGBT community?" Are you crazy? It has become so commercialized. I mean, it, it, corporations virtue signaling uh, to progressives now. Uh, so so corporatized. It, it actually. I, I, I have one friend of the only only gay friend I have who have talked about this with who, who he and I actually had this exchange uh, I guess when was it Saturday night by by text message going back and forth that 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 he he says it's just virtue signaling by corporations that that this is now the corporations picking up on trends that's what uh, particularly uh, corporations like Target and whatnot they they pick up on trends and this is the trend. And so they're going to market the heck out of it. And he gets very annoyed by it. Uh, being gay, a corporation that has never done anything for him, is suddenly out there hoisting rainbow flags uh, saying, hey, uh, l- look at all of our commitment to pride when they hadn't done jack before. It's just this is the trend. And it will eventually subside. And I think he's right on that. And I think it will eventually subside as well. Um, it, the thing that's nice for me, I, I do think for a lot of activists, there is a religious significance to this. There is a secularism is a religion. You do need to understand that secularism is a religion. Secularism has its own ceremony. Secularism has its own rites of passage. Secularism has its own sacraments. Uh, abortion is one of those sacraments these days. Um, support for the, the BLG and T rights. It's it, it's this is this is all part of the sacrament of, of secularism, the left, uh, environmentalism, all of these things, part of that religion. And it is nice from one vantage point for me to see that it's not just the Christians who have major corporations uh, rip off our holidays and secularize them. The rainbow. Is was a religious symbol of Christianity or of, of Judaism, then Christianity, and now it's it's a popular symbol for pride. And corporations have now taken it, and they've they've made apparel for it. They've made things you can buy for it. They're marketing it. They're using it in their logos. They have taken in the same way they've taken the nativity in the past, in the same way they've taken the Star of Bethlehem in the past. Uh, and over time, secularists secularize all of these things and strip any sort of religious significance out of it in order to sell product. And that's what they're doing. And it, it is it's going to be fascinating to me over the next decade. As society drifts more towards secularism and away from Christianity, and things like this become more common in society everywhere, it's going to be fascinating to me to see how, if, and why uh, the gay rights community begins to have a backlash against corporations that are uh, essentially capitalizing and marketing and making money off of this. I mean, look at Taylor Swift, the reaction from people on the left. Taylor Swift has now come out as a BLTNG advocate, and she is very, very uh, out there now in your face, turning off some of her early supporters in the Christian slash country scene, the Nashville scene. 
um, announcing herself as part of this cause, and she's getting blowback from elites, intellectuals, say, you've never done anything for us, and now you're making money off of us. Well, same goes for a lot of these Fortune 500 companies. And it's going to be interesting to watch the blowback on that. But man, you got to give it to capitalism. Capitalists, they know how to market, sell, and and make money off of everything. If you don't know your numbers, you really don't know your business. And the problem a lot of growing businesses have is they've got a bunch of different systems, so they don't really know their systems. They've got a system for accounting, another for sales, another for inventory, and so on. It's a big and efficient mess, taking a lot of time, a lot of resources, and it hurts the bottom line. Well, Oracle is introducing NetSuite. It's a business management software. It handles every aspect of your business in an easy-to-use cloud format, giving you the visibility and control you need to grow. With NetSuite, you save time, money, and unneeded headaches by managing sales, finance, accounting, orders, HR, everything from your desktop or even your phone. It's why NetSuite's the number one cloud business system in the world. And right now, NetSuite is offering valuable insight with free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits at netsuite.com slash Eric. That's netsuite.com slash Eric. Download your free guide, seven key strategies to grow your profits, netsuite.com slash Eric. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. We will be back with more news. I want to revisit a story from some time ago, if you'll allow. Well, you have to allow because it's my show. Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. The full number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. We need to go back to a Dale Russell Fox 5 report uh, prior to the November election. When I was 18, I went to work uh, for a real estate and insurance company with the idea of selling real estate. When insurance commissioner candidate Jim Beck campaigns, he likes to tout his years of insurance industry experience. I've served as chief of staff for the current commissioner. And he did back in 2011. Beck was chief of staff for insurance commissioner Ralph Hudgens. Commissioner Hudgens, who is supporting another candidate for insurance commissioner, says he told Beck to find another job. His reason? He says Beck had not been honest with him and an industry group. I just told him he needed to find something else to do that, that I'd lost total confidence in him. It sounds like a firing. It sounds, like, it sounds pretty much like firing, too. State records show Beck resigned. Beck sent us an email. He says Commissioner Hudgens wrote when he left, touting his invaluable leadership and that Jim will be sorely missed. Commissioner Hudgens' spokesperson told me the commissioner doesn't remember writing the email, and he says Jim Beck had access to that email account. We had interviewed Jim Beck earlier in his home, but wanted to ask him about what Commissioner Hudgens told us about that email. Can, can you just tell me why you took the... Well, that was uncalled for. An email that he said he doesn't remember writing. <laughs> you believe that, right? I'm just telling you what he told Yeah, well, I'm done. So, to sum up there, Ralph Hudgens fired Jim Beck as his chief of staff at the insurance department. Uh, matters of honesty, according to 
um, Ralph Hudgens. And one of the things Hudgens notes is an email from his account uh, that Beck had access to that wrote about Beck and glowing praise that Hudgens does not remember writing. Uh, implying that maybe Beck wrote it himself. Well, I bring all that up because uh, Dale Russell has been one of the most tenacious reporters in Georgia on this issue relating to Jim Beck, and he has a story out that he should be commended for where he actually delved into the um, into the U.S. Attorney's indictment about Jim Beck and uncovered the names of the parties. If you'll recall... Uh, the U.S. attorney alleges that four companies were set up, identified in the indictment as companies A, B, C, and D, and that Beck would pass money into one, have one do work for another, and, and flow money between the all four of them, all of them keeping 10%. Beck was able to generate $2 million. Now, I've got to tell you, first of all, uh, I was with some st- uh, members of the state legislature this weekend, all of whom know or had served with B.J. Pack who is the U.S. attorney, and said if he comes calling with an indictment, you're going down. He doesn't do it unless he has the evidence. Um, Beck maintains his innocence. I'm not going to name the individuals, um, but uh, Dale Russell was able to track them down. They are, as far as I know, innocent. Uh, they were fooled. They were duped. One of them is a family member. Another, Others are really good friends of, of Jim Beck and, and his family. They appear to have been duped. And so I don't want to name them. I don't want to drag them in. Um, Some of them may even listen to the show. I don't know. But it paints a very troubling picture of the insurance commissioner. And he has stepped aside, but he's still gathering his salary. And he's doing it because he needs the medical benefits for his wife, which I'm very sympathetic to. And I mentioned this to a former member of the insurance commissioner's office who said that, um, her family was similarly situated, needing the health benefits for her family because of the situation, and didn't matter to Beck fire anyway, because she was a Hudgens loyalist. And I say all of this to say that one tremendous reporting, Dale Russell uh, deserves great credit for tracking this down and identifying the individuals, tracking them down and getting them on record. Um, but also that I think there are larger, deeper issues here at play. And I wish the best to John King, the new insurance commissioner, and hope that he is mindful of that, uh, that there may be more to this. And, of course, they're still buzzing around that there may be more indictments coming from this. Uh, But if not, Beck single-handedly was able to get away with getting $2 million and then using that money to fund his insurance commissioner's race, which is the most amazing thing to me. He campaigned on having funded the race mostly by himself, and now we know how he did it if the U.S. attorney is telling the truth, which most people suspect he is. Um, The storms are headed north, uh, north, northeast. And so if you're in Woodstock, Holly Springs, Canton, you are clear of rain. Now you're getting rain in Woodstock, and it's going to be in Holly Springs and Canton, up 575 here in a bit. A really heavy storm forming in the Decatur area, uh, North Decatur, Scottsdale, Avondale Estates area, Clarkston. You've got some rain over there. Um, The worst of it now is down 75 all the way to Macon across I-20 to South Carolina and up 85 
to uh, South Carolina. You've got very heavy rain. Uh, the Lawrenceville Highway area right now, you're you got some rain and you got more storms coming into that area. So even though parts of it in the Monroe area are cleaned out, you're going to get some more. Um, now there the worst storms in the state now are in the mid state. In fact, there's a severe thunderstorm warning in Macon, uh, in Forsyth, down there in, in the Middle Georgia area, Upson County, Thomaston, and all of that is headed north. And so don't think you're out of it. You're going to get more of it, and it's coming up 75 in particular from Macon all the way up to the airport. You've got very, very heavy rain right now. The McDonough, Locust Grove, Jackson area, Porterdale, Covington, uh, Conyers, you're all going to get some very heavy rain if it's not raining there right now. So keep your headlights on, please. Um, be home if you can. If you're headed I-20 to Alabama right now, you're in the clear. That's been the worst part of it for a while during the show today. Right now, completely clear all the way to Alabama, but the stuff is on the south side moving your way. So you're going to get some more rain. Just, just be careful out there. Be home if you can. The storms that are coming are also heavy. So I need to talk about something, but I got to give you a little bit of a theological background so you do understand it. Um, The sacrament of penance and reconciliation uh, or confession in the Catholic Church. Uh, Those of you who watch TV or whatnot, you you see Catholics, you you watch the Daredevil series, for example, on Netflix. Uh, There's confession booths. You go in and you tell the priest your sins, and it is a sacrament of the Catholic Church. Uh, There are seven sacraments in the Catholic Church um, instituted by Jesus entrusted to the church, the visible rites or signs of the grace of God. Protestants typically just have uh, communion or the Lord's Supper and baptism. Uh, Catholics have uh, baptism, um, let's see, the sacraments of initiation, of healing, a service, so you've got matrimony there. I'm not a Catholic. I don't want to delve too deeply in theology there, but one of them is confession. You've got to confess your sins. In the Catholic Church, you confess to a priest, and uh, you can gain penance and seek forgiveness through confession. The Catholic legislature has decided to, or the Catholic, oh my gosh, the, the uh, California legislature has decided to go to war with the Catholic Church. They expect that priests will have to reveal the confessions of people who confess to certain things, particularly child abuse, things like that. And the Catholic Church is saying, nope, not going to happen. Now, the legislation has been slow to make its way through in California. It has not been passed into law, and the Catholic Church has been gearing up for a fight on this. A buddy of mine called me earlier today to uh, talk about this, see if I, and I'd heard a little bit about it. But hadn't really delved into it. And essentially, the abuse situation in the Catholic Church is being used as an excuse to go after the Catholic Church in this way. And Catholic priests won't be able to comply with this law. I mean, they will be arrested. Can you imagine the state of California? You totally can. Look what happened to Must Ministries here. A little bureaucrat causes them all sorts of problems over making sandwiches, which they've done five, 30 years or 25 years. You're going to have little bureaucrats going into confession booths, confessing all sorts of sordid things. When it doesn't get reported, they're going to arrest the priests. That's what California would do. Keep an eye on the story. Growing hostility to people of faith, using purportedly the veneer of legitimate excuses to make it happen, Uh, This isn't going to end well. 